Welcome home. You're listening to the 180 Church Podcast with Dr. Sammy and friends. Dr. Sammy D. Kim is a Harvard-trained ethicist and co-founder of 180 Church NYC. He is a Yale Hastings Scholar at the Yale Interdisciplinary Center for Bioethics and the Hastings Center, where he explores the inequities surrounding health, immigration, and social policies, along with professional burnout. He is also a regular contributor to Christianity Today. For more information, please visit his website at samdkim.com. Welcome, everyone joining us online and in person. We're going to give you a little moment as we observe Lent to practice what we call the rule of life. It's just a moment of silence and solitude to just center ourselves so that we can hear from the Lord together this afternoon. In a minute, we're going to exhale. Let's exhale. (sighs) Everything weighing deeply on your heart and mind, all the automatic thoughts ruminating throughout the week, late at the house of the Lord. And then inhale. The promise of supplication. That when we surrender our anxieties to him, that he would give us a transcending peace. Robert Mulholland, God of creation and recreation, you who are constantly at work to shape in me the wholeness of Christ, you know the hardness of the structures of my being that resists your shaping touch. You know the deeper inner part of my being that reject your changing grace. But your grace softens my hardness, helps me to become pliable in your hands, even as we pray this. May there be melting of my inner resistance to your transforming love. All God's people pray. Amen. Let's welcome our brother Stu as he gives us the word today. Okay. Um, I thought Doc was going to mention it, but uh, I will mention it. Um, Yesterday, many of us were uh, celebrating with X and Sarah, who got married yesterday. So let's give them a nice round of applause. And on that note, it was a heck of a wedding. It was a great time. They know how to party. So you guys will have to excuse me if I refer to my notes a little bit more than I normally do. Um, But on that, how do you guys deal with stress. Let's put this picture up here. Um, Many of us have almost like favorite ways that we deal with stress. When something happens, when the world is getting a little bit crazy, we have our go-to thing that we do in order to just kind of decompress, relax, get away from the stress. For some people, it's a constructive thing. Maybe you go to the gym, maybe you run five miles on that treadmill, you do some squats, you get ripped, you get pumped. That's a constructive sort of thing. Some people, they have a less constructive thing. They have a bad day at work. The first thing they do, boom, right to the bar for a pint or two or 10. Some things are more destructive. 
Sometimes we vent, we take it out on others, we yell, we shout, we flip a table, we just get very grumpy. And sometimes we just disconnect from everything. We run away from the problem, we try to hide from it because we just wanna let this all blow over. For me, during the pandemic, in the midst of dealing with the ever-changing situation of what in the blue heck is going to happen next, my way of dealing with stress at the end of my two-week shift was I went straight to Outback and I got the salad, I got the taters, I got the steak, I got the cheesecake, and I had a little something to drink at home. I had it down to a science. I am a stress eater, unfortunately. It's something that I've been doing for a long time, if you guys couldn't notice. But um, even today, when I have a bad day at work, I am right on that takeout line at Wendy's. Now, does this really help anything? Does this really change the circumstances of whatever is going on in life? Absolutely not. Doesn't do anything. Just makes me feel a little bit better for that moment. Doesn't do anything to change the situation. It's just a little thing, a little coping mechanism that I've unfortunately learned to get through those difficult moments. And I think a lot of us in those favorite ways that we have, those go-to defaults where we deal with our stress, we've learned through our lives how to get through the difficult times. Sometimes they're just temporary relief. Sometimes they're destructive. Sometimes they don't even seem destructive because, hey, going to the gym, I'm getting, getting in good shape, right? but I'm still running away from the problem and I'm not dealing with it, I'm not tackling it. It's still going to be there when I get out of the gym. And honestly, a bad day at work is just scratching the surface of things that cause stress in our lives, the things that we have to deal with. We all have the deeper issues. We have our traumas, we have our unmet needs, we have our worries and our fears and our insecurities. And we all have those default natures, those default things that we go to in order to medicate ourselves in the midst of that struggle, in the midst of those things to get that quick shot of dopamine. Even though there are a million healthier ways to deal with things, we fall back to our defaults. It's almost like in a way we're in bondage to them, we're slaves to them because we keep going back to them over and over and over again. And in our relationship with Christ, in our walk in faith, we have our default modes as well. We have the ways of navigating this broken world that we've learned through living in this broken world. They're the ways that we've learned that are remnants of our lives before Christ, before we became a new creation in Christ, before there was a healthier way of dealing with all of the things of the world, where we don't need to deal with the world in these old habits where we don't have to live in the flesh. And I don't mean live in the flesh in the literal sense. That's almost like a Christian-y sort of way of saying in a self-centered way, in a sinful way, a way that is removed from God. But when we are in Christ, when we are a new creation in Christ, we have a new way that we can live in freedom that is far and away better than all of the old ways that we have learned through living in the world. And that's what we're going to talk about today. We're gonna to be talking about leaving our old ways, leaving the old defaults, what, Paul, what Apostle Paul calls the old self or the, our earthly nature in favor of a new self, a new way that Christ teaches us, that we have access to because we are new creations in him. So that's what we're gonna talk about, how we can walk away from the old ways and live in the new ones. 
So if we can go to our next slide, please. So as we turn to uh, Colossians 3, Paul's addressing the church there, and he's speaking to them about the freedom that comes from living in Christ. He's challenging the ways that they lived under human ways, under the earthly nature. He's talking about breaking that bondage that everyone lives in before they come to know Christ, before they're made fully alive in Christ. And in this passage specifically, Paul's addressing the difference in the way that believers lived before they were in Christ, before they had a relationship with Christ, versus how they can now live being in that relationship with Christ. And starting with verse 1, Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your heart on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways, in the life you once lived, but now you must also rid yourself of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Now, when Paul says earthly nature, he's speaking about the nature of one who is removed from God, one who does not have a relationship with God, who does not understand who God is. Last time I was up here, uh, I mentioned Neil Anderson and how he says that many of the authors of the New Testament use the word sinner in that way. A sinner isn't based on action, but it's based on a position relative to Christ. As a sinner, you are someone who is unaware of Christ, who is outside of that relation with Christ. And in that context, when we become someone who has knowledge of Christ, who is in relationship with him, who knows him, who is a new creation in Christ, we are considered saints. And again, this isn't just strictly based on actions because we all struggle, we all sin. We commit that action of sin, but our identity is in that positionality in Christ. It's very important to remember that. So the thing is, just because we have that position doesn't mean we always get it right. Our identity is in that position in Christ, but as Anderson terms it, we become saints who sin. We commit those actions. We fall back into those old ways, those old defaults that we learned from living in the world before we knew Christ. See, this is why accountability is so important. It's so that we confess and repent of those actions, and we don't let that become our identity. And much of the reason why we stumble in sin, again, like I said, is because it's what we've known. It's how we lived life before we knew who Christ was. Before we became a new creation in Christ, we lived in the world. We played by the world's rules. We did as the world does. But that was before. That was before becoming a new creation in Christ. That was the old self, the old way, the earthly nature. Because we are in relationship with Christ, when we are in relationship, with Christ. We can leave all of those things behind, and that's what Paul encourages the church at Colossae to do. If we can go down to the next uh, part of Scripture. 
Unfortunately, I'm flooding you guys with scripture today. It's okay, though. Um, Paul writes here, Do not lie to each other, since you have taken off your old self with its practices, and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. Here there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them together in perfect unity. See, this is all the new self that Paul is talking about. The self that is not conformed to the ways of the world, but is instead, as he says, being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. And this is a theme that Paul goes back to many times. In Romans 12, he says, do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. We're called to set our mind on Christ how he is calling us to live, how he is leading us to live in the new self, not the old self that was subject to the world, that was in bondage to the world. All of that is available because we have a new identity in Christ. We have that position in Christ. We are a new creation in Christ. And the, we have the fullness of Christ in our lives. Again, just throwing another scripture out there, Ephesians 4. When Paul is talking about the, uh, the new self, he says, That, however, is not the way of life you learned when you heard about Christ and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to the former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your mind, and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness, and holiness. This is the new life that we are created in. This is what we have accessible to us right now as a new creation in Christ. This is the freedom we have because of our position in Christ, to be free of all the old ways that we used to live in to just get through the day. And instead, God shows us a new way to live to endure, to overcome, and to thrive in him. So how do we begin to live that life as a new self in Christ? This is my first point, if we can put that up. As a new creation in Christ, we are freed of the old self, the old defaults. And I say that very intentionally. I say we are freed, not we can be freed, not we have to fight to be freed. Because remember, what I said a couple of times ago when I was up here, we are a new creation in Christ, not because of anything we did. It's all because of Christ's sacrifice on the cross, all because of what he did. All we do is we put our faith in him. We acknowledge him as our Lord and Savior. That is when he creates us new in him. He's already done the work. He's already completed the work. By our faith, we are a new creation in him. It's just that sometimes we don't realize it. We think we still have to fall back to those old ways of doing things, those old defaults of how we get through the day. 
The battle for obtaining that freedom is already won. It's just a matter of living in it. Easy way of thinking about this. You guys all know what a PBA card is, right? You all know that that's the, the, the magic little card that when you get pulled over, you show that to the officer, and a lot of times they're like, all right, fine, get out of here. Every year, I give Dr. Sammy a PBA card. Every single year. And I think in about 15 years, he has not gotten one single ticket yet. But do you want to know why that is? It's not just because I gave it to him. It's because on those rare occasions that he gets pulled over, he gives that to the officer. Because how silly is it if you have that, but you don't use it, right? But that's what we do sometimes. We have, in a way, that PBA card. We have that new life in Christ, but we don't live in it. We don't get it through our heads that we don't have to live in the old ways. Christ has already done the heavy lifting. He's already done the heavy lifting of it. Our end of the bargain, it's not in winning that freedom. It's just in being conformed to Christ's image. That's all there is to it. It's already been won for us. We are already freed from the old self. It's just a matter of living in it. So my question to start with today is when you look at your life, do you recognize that old self, the old defaults that you learned from living life? Do you recognize where you still struggle with that old self? And I wanna tell you guys something, it's okay to admit that we have the old self. It's okay to admit that we struggle with the old self because a lot of us have lived our lives longer under the old self than in the new self. Like if you haven't been living in Christ for more than half of your life, you have half of your life living in the old self. That's a lot of stuff to unlearn. It's difficult, especially when you don't realize that you don't have to live in that old self. See, in Christ, we're not in bondage to the old ways. We are not in bondage to wrath, to sexual immorality, to greed. I'll even throw in, we are not in bondage to insecurity, to inadequacy, to inferiority, to worries, to guilt, to doubts. And I bet every single one of you is saying, that is a bunch of nonsense, Stu. I deal with that struggle every day. Guess what? I do too. Half the reason I get nervous when I come up here is because I have those feelings of inadequacy and worry and self-doubt. I struggle with it. I fight with it. I wrestle with it. I am not in bondage to it. It does not have authority over me, and it doesn't have authority over you. Christ is the authority over you, and in that authority, he has given you a new life to live in that is free from all of that so that we do not need to be in bondage to all of those things, all of those struggles, and all of the maladaptive coping mechanisms that we use to medicate ourselves to just get past it. So again, where are you struggling with that old self? Who are the people you can talk to and say, hey, look, this is part of that old self. This is where I'm struggling. This is where I need accountability, where I need to say, hey, I goofed up. That doesn't change your positionality in Christ. It just means you're a saint that sins like everybody else in Christ. But there is freedom. So where do you need to claim that ownership of your new life in Christ? Where do you need to claim that? Because it's already been won for you in Christ. You just need to claim it and live in it. 
So now the question, of course, is how do we live in that? That's a real honest uh, question to ask. How do we thrive in that? And I bet you're also thinking, Stu, if you give me that whole process thing, like you did the last two times that you're up there, I'm going to throw something at you. It is a process. But we're going to talk about it a little bit today. We're actually going to go through some, some strategies about it. The process is about God leading us. It's about him fathering us. It's about him discipling us. And I know if you guys are thrilled with the word process, I'm sure you're thrilled with the word discipling and discipleship. But let's talk about that because I think sometimes we get a limited view of what God does in his discipleship. So let's go down to our next piece of scripture. Again, flooding you guys with scripture, but it's all good. It's all spirit-breathed and good for learning. So this is from Hebrews chapter 12. And this is one of those famous passages of scripture that's often referenced and often repeated about God's discipline for us. But again, sometimes I think we miss a little bit of that. So let's read through this. The author writes in verse 5, And have you completely forgotten this word of encouragement that addresses you as a father addresses his son? It says, My son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline and do not lose heart when he rebukes you because the Lord disciplines the one he loves and he chastens everyone he accepts as a son. Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as his children. For what children are not disciplined by their father? If you are not disciplined and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are not legitimate, not true sons and daughters at all. Moreover, we have had human fathers who disciplined us and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the Father of Spirits and live? They disciplined us for a while, as they thought best. But God disciplines us for our good, in order that we may share in his holiness. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. And when we talk about discipline, especially parental discipline. I'm sure a lot of us get a lot of images. We get that image of stern discipline. We get that image of stern correction. Maybe a dope slap upside the head, or if you're you know, older like me, it was acceptable that you got a spanking when you were getting disciplined. It's that image of having your nose to the grindstone, and it's difficult. And I'll admit, sometimes God's discipline is stern. Sometimes he has a hard word for us, not in shaming us. That's something important to catch. God doesn't shame us, but he convicts us so that we can live a life that is aligned to him, so that we grow in holiness as him. But it's not always like that. Sometimes discipline, with discipline there's an explanation. There is reasoning that God gives us. There is a leading that grows our understanding of who God is calling us to be so that we can leave the old ways and live in the ways that he is calling us to live. And especially in verse 11, no discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. I mean, let me ask you guys, when you fall into those defaults, when you stumble and fall into those defaults, do you feel any righteousness? Do you feel peace? Or do you feel more worthlessness, hopelessness, emptiness? Instead, 
through his discipline, God is training us. He's giving us new skills, new ways of overcoming the world that make us in his image, that lead us into holiness as he is holy. We just have to realize and rely on how he has fathered us. Having that peace of knowing that God is with us, that he is growing us, that he's leading us in that holiness and likeness to him so that we can overcome whatever difficulties the world is going to throw at us. How many of you guys have been watching this show? Let's put this picture up. How many of you guys have been watching this? Okay, a lot of people are really tired from the wedding yesterday. That or you're just not watching it. And if you're not watching it, you're really missing out. This is probably my favorite bit of Star Wars post-Disney. It's Rogue One was good. Some of the animated stuff is good. But this, is, this set the bar for awesome stuff. And the thing I really love about The Mandalorian, especially this season, is the father and son relationship between Mando and Baby Yoda, between Din Djarin and Grogu. And to just do a little bit of like explaining for you guys that may not have seen it, Grogu, Baby Yoda, he's considered a foundling. He's a youth that is found by a Mandalorian that is either to be returned to his people or trained and grown to walk the way of the Mandalore. And there are times when Mando is stern with Grogu because he is a little troublemaker, like all little babies. He sees something that he wants to eat and he goes and he eats it. He sees something shiny and he wants to play with it and it gets him into so much trouble. So Mando sometimes has to, you know, give him a little bit of stern discipline, but it's not all stern discipline. Again, to go into a little bit and not spoil it for anybody, but Grogu's history is one of fear. It's one of having to hide and to run away and be terrified of all those that are coming after him. And through his relationship with Din Djarin, he is learning to overcome, to stand up, to be strong, to know that he can fight back, that he is capable to know that he can walk the way of the Mandalore. And I think in a similar way, as we draw close to Christ, he refines us. He shows us a better way. Yes, sometimes there is sternness to God, but sometimes there is that encouragement. There is that wisdom that he imparts on us. There is that training that he gives us to know that there is a better way to live. And again, I'm being honest with you guys. I struggle with plenty of things. I struggle with those feelings of emptiness and those feelings of unmet needs and those feelings of, you know, inadequacy, just all of that stuff. And when I was trying to write this sermon, God spoke to me in a lot of those places. And a lot of it was just encouragement. It was changing my perspective on it. Those places of unmet needs that I feel like where I'm missing out on life, God is saying, hey, you're actually in a position where you can be a blessing to others, where others have been a blessing to you, where you haven't had to focus on this, but instead you've been open for that. Those places where God has said, yes, this is a trial that you're going through, but I am using this so that you don't have to run away from it, but that you can stand in that, so that you can grow and overcome it. Those are the things where I feel like God has really been speaking to me, and it's all because of that relationship. Again, we're a new creation in Christ. We have that great high priest who understands us, who knows us, who is leading us and growing us. That's all available to us. 
we just have to realize it and draw close to God so that we can hear his voice and listen to him and learn from him. And this is how I think we can put on the new self, the process by which God calls us to live as that new creation in Christ, if we can put that point up. We live in the new self by being fathered by God. See, this process that I keep talking about, I wish it was a simple 10-step program. I wish it was bullet points, boom, 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 boom. This is how you do it. That's just legalism. That doesn't work. It's through the relationship with God. It's through that relationship with Christ where he refines us and shows us the new life that we have the freedom to live in him, where we don't have to go back to the old ways, where we don't have to go back to the old defaults, to our earthly nature, however you want to put it. The things that don't bring life, that just get us through the day. We have a new life in him. We have that relationship with him. And it is through that father and son or father and daughter relationship that he is refining us and training us to live in that new way. So my question as we end today is, how are you letting God father you out of the old self and into the new self? Are you a little afraid of parental discipline? I get it. Believe me, I get it. But God's discipline is far and away better than any earthly discipline. Even though, as, as the author of Hebrews said, we respected our parents for them teaching us as they knew best, and that is sometimes flawed. But how much better, how much more should we submit to the Father of spirits and live, to the discipline and the growth that he is providing for us? by that new relationship, that new life we have in Christ. So as you guys stand with me today, let's pray for that. Let's pray that God would speak to us as a father, as the perfect father who's given us life and is excited to love us and refine us and help us thrive in that new life. Father, I just thank you, Lord, that you are a good father that you are far and away better than any father that we may have. And we respect and honor our parents, Lord. But we thank you that you give us new life and you are training us and showing us the way that you are calling us to live. Free of the old self, free of the old defaults, free of the maladaptive coping mechanisms, and free to live life in you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Father, we want to come before you this afternoon. Uh, we want to be reparented by the perfect Father, our Heavenly Father. But the Heavenly Father sometimes 
feels like a cloud in the sky and developing a relationship with him could feel sort of elusive. The truth is, the way God the Father parents the church It's through mentors and spiritual friends. Because how many people here got hit by their parents? If you got hit by your parents, raise your hand. If you got Now, if you got beaten by your parents, raise both of your hands. Like, I'm talking about beaten. I, I would put my feet up, too, because I was beaten by my parents. But they did leave me a nice life insurance check, though, in the end. <laughs> but but this is I want to draw this parallel for you when my parents died when my dad died and my mom died the only requirement for me to cash the gift that they left behind was a death certificate they didn't have a list of how I treated my parents or I don't think I would have gotten the gift they didn't leave a prerequisite for how I lived my life, good or poorly. It was the accumulation, the aggregation of the way they lived their life. And that gift was preceded by their death. Sometimes I found out there were more than one policies. The Bible tells us that we are seated with Christ, not when we die, but now. All you need to access this resource is a death certificate. Which means many of us who are struggling, and we will, there will be a tension between who we really are, our identity, and how we're living, and some of the stupidity and immaturity in the maladaptive ways of how we learn to cope in life. But some of us are, are never going to cash that check because we don't know how to. And this message is paramount for some of us to enter that journey of embracing our identity as sons and daughters of God simply based on the cross. And the gift is Jesus' accumulation of the way he lived his life is now given to you. All you got to do is receive it. Because there's a difference between embracing something and understanding something. There's a big difference between living it out and just thinking through cognition you understand it. And that's the difference of the power available to us. And some of us, you know, I remember my parents disciplining me. And I remember at the moment, I didn't like them. You know how the passage says we appreciated them in hindsight? Well, I appreciate them now. Because I realized I was an idiot. Because I would steal like all their money sometimes lying around in the counters. And they told me they specifically left money out because they knew I would take it. And my mom said it was so painful for me to beat you up, but I, I did not want you to be a thief. I was like, wow, you thought of that? This was a trap? They go, yeah, it's a life trap. 
And I want to encourage you before we pray this afternoon and close. If your Christian life has no frustrations, no irritations, no friction, and you and nothing is happening, there's no one speaking to you about your life, that's a really big sign of danger. What two things? It means that you might not have come to Christ. There is no really regenerated power of the Spirit working. Or you don't listen and you're so stubborn, people through perfunctory courtesy might be in relationship with you, but they're done trying to talk to you about anything because you don't listen. Both are dangerous. Now, if you're irritated and people are annoying you, how many people have people annoying them in their life? Raise your hand right now. Be honest now. You, you especially have, right? <laughs> I mean, if you have frustrations with people in the church, you're annoyed and people are talking to you and you're like, oh, good. That's the spiritual activity. And the author of Hebrews says, who likes discipline in the moment? Who likes a hard word? Who wants to be in friction? Not me. I even skip over the conflict and the dramas. I'm like, no, I don't want to watch this. And that's what we want to pray today. Embracing God's discipline. And let's do even something crazier. Let's pray for God's discipline. Amen? So will you lift your hands with me in the sign of surrender? And I want to pray for God's activity of discipline and love to be poured into us so that we can become the best of who we are in Christ. Father, today... We want to pray. We don't want to just understand discipline. But we want to invite it, God. We want you to use the frustrations, the aggregations, the annoyances in our life. And sometimes things we don't want to hear to mold us. To be the best you see in us. Let's make this our prayer. Thank you.
Father, we come before you this afternoon. We want to pray that we know viscerally who we belong to, who we're submitted to, who we are surrendering our leadership to. God, we want to confess that your ways are higher than ours. Your thinking is higher than ours. Father, help us in our stubbornness not to miss the big picture that you see when you send the trials and the frustrations and the temptations and you allow those environments to shape parts of us that need to be refined, Sin that needs to be weeded out that will, in the end, destroy our potential and hurt the people we love most. Help us submit to your leadership in our lives. And when we feel angry and bitter and offended, Help us to be honest and bring all of those things to you and embrace your leadership over our lives. Will you bow your heads for the benediction today? May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you now and forevermore. All God's people pray. Amen. God bless you. Go in peace. Hi, everyone. Good morning. Happy Sunday. My name is Haley, and I'm a member here at 180 Church, and I'll be sharing some community news with you. First off, let's talk about how we can give. If you're a member here at 180 Church, we ask that you continue to keep God in the center of your finances. Admission is free, but mission isn't. If you're a visitor here with us today, we welcome you to our service, and there's no financial obligation to give, but if you'd like to make a donation, you can do so with the methods above. Our next announcement is about all the ways you can connect with God and others in our community. We have our Bible reading group, 180BRG. You can join us at any time to read the Bible. Feel free to follow along and feed your soul 
with the word of God. We also have a number of other ways to stay connected, including our church's Facebook page, Dr. Sammy's Twitter page, our various Instagram handles, and our YouTube page. We are live every Sunday for service through YouTube, so you can always watch and re-watch sermons and stay connected with us. Next, we have small groups. Small groups are a great way to connect with others in the community and go deeper into the message. We have various groups for different stages. Some meet on Zoom and some meet in person. If you want to get plugged in, please speak to any of the greeters in 180 shirts or hoodies. Next, we have resources. We have plenty of resources that are available for you to purchase at the cafe to help you connect with God daily. It's a great way to share the gospel too. A Holy Haunting official release date is April 11th and is fast approaching. So let's cover it and keep it in prayer. Now, while you're at the cafe, you can also pick up some 180 merch. It's a perfect time to pick up your 180 sweater There's a collection of sweatshirts for those hoodie days. All purchases are based on an honor system and can be purchased the same way mentioned before. Are you feeling in the need of prayer? Take a minute to pause and pray. If you need a little extra help, you can always send an email to prayer at 180church.tv. There will be a team praying for you on the other side and everything is confidential. Next, we have Pastor Lydia. She's created an instrumental album called A Glimpse from 180 Studios, and it's available on iTunes, Spotify, and YouTube. It's a great way to recenter ourselves with Christ by listening to some peaceful worship songs. You can unwind, exhale, and take in the presence of God. Uh, next, we have our Lent series. We're in the season of Lent. Hope you continue to feel encouraged to fast and turn to God. Easter is two weeks away, um, so let's finish strong and feast on the Lord. God is our sustenance. Remember that. Um, <laughs> amen. We will be holding a Good Friday service and an Easter service, so mark your calendars. Good Friday is on April 7th, and the location is NYU Kimmel, room 905, at 7 p.m. Easter Sunday is April 9th. The location is Battery Park City, and the time is at noon. The RSVP date is today. So if you haven't done so already, please RSVP for this event. Let's think and pray about the people we can invite for Easter Sunday. It's an opportunity for our friends and our family to hear the good news of the gospel. Finally, we are looking for volunteers to help serve in many different areas in our community. There's the cafe bookstore, come help wake people up both literally and spiritually. There's Sunday School, come help our littles members get to know the love of Jesus. There's Techies, come help us build really cool stuff online. And we always need greeters, come help all feel welcome and be the friendly faces of our community. So if you are interested, please see any of our greeters in 180 hoodies or anybody in the cafe and they can help you get connected. Those are all of our announcements today.